Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, we're going to move on to my, my next guest. I've been really excited to talk with Pat Soldano of Family Enterprise USA, where she is the vice chair. Firm that's located here in Anaheim, California. And they're in the business of assisting and promoting family businesses, which are obviously near and dear to my heart. I've been working with family businesses all my life, and I love family businesses. So we're going to talk about uh, some of the issues that family businesses are facing, and uh, especially on the heels of a survey that they've just done. So let's get right into it. Pat, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure to have you today. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Bill. I appreciate it. Very much my pleasure. I, I love what you do, and uh, I, of course, family businesses are the fabric of the business environment in the United States and, and around the world, so it's a great subject whenever we talk about family business issues. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and what you do at Family Enterprise USA. Sure. Happy to do that. So I actually started my career working in the family office industry. Uh, worked for a single family office. That was the Field family of Chicago. I worked for uh, Ted Field, Marshall's brother. Uh, and I uh, decided that I wanted to have my own family office business, and so I formed what's now called a multifamily office. I uh, grew that business over the course of 20-plus years and eventually sold that in January of 2009 to GenSpring, which is one of the largest multifamily offices. Uh, I stayed on as a um, managing director of the West Western Region for five years, and then I stayed on as a consultant for another three, retired at the end of last year. And in that capacity of helping families to manage their assets, including their operating businesses, many of them had operating businesses, uh, I experienced the estate tax, sometimes called the death tax. So I started working with some of my families around how they solve for the estate tax. And I also had a family member die at the young age of 38, and her mother died five years later, and I had to deal with it firsthand. And, and that involved not only businesses, but you know liquid assets as well. So mm-hmm. I started uh, going to Washington, D.C. and um, helping people to understand how the estate tax affects families. Family Enterprise USA was formed over a decade ago by one particular family, Uh, Its sole purpose is to promote family businesses in America. It's a national organization, and I was asked to run that three years ago. And as one of your passions, family businesses, is certainly one of my passions. Now in my semi-retirement, in addition to running FEUSA, Family Enterprise USA, and Policy and Taxation Group, I also help families run their business and do some consulting uh, around that. I'm speaking a lot on governance. I happen to be doing a presentation at Pepperdine on 
uh, a week or next Monday. So uh, that's a, a, a quick sketch of how I got involved in FEUSA. We do go and meet with legislators in Washington, D.C., and advocate for the issues that family businesses face. And that makes you the hero of of my heroes. <laughs> so because they really need championing at the at the uh, Washington level, so that legislators can really get a feel for and understand what's happening. Because of course the voice of large uh, uh, multinationals and and uh, publicly traded companies are heard loudly with their dollars in Washington, but they need to be heard loudly from people that are working with the family businesses, uh, so that they understand really what the issues are. So what do you find, and you've just, uh, you've just done the same, and the way I, the way I heard about you was um, I uh, belong to a group called Vistage Worldwide, which is 22,000 CEOs that are kind of networked together to do better, and they published one of your recent studies or surveys, and, uh, and that's where I thought, you know, I, I, need to, I need to get to know Pat a little bit better and find out what's going on because uh, this, there are several issues that you've got your finger on the pulse on. And one of those, you know, is, is this estate tax situation. But what, are, what else, what are other the, the other family business issues that they're most concerned about these days? Well, I'm really glad that I get a chance to talk about this survey because we've done it for the past uh, decade. This year was different. Uh, we had 205 family businesses across the United States. And believe it or not, it's very hard to get family businesses to, to take surveys because, as you know, they're very private. Uh, last year, the survey resulted in their most important issue being reducing government regulation, and that was consistent for the prior three years. This year, the estate tax and eliminating it, reducing or reducing the rate, were at the top of the list, and regulating, eliminating regulations was third. Um, so, so it is around taxes, not just the estate tax, income tax, capital gains, is at the top of their list as well. What was also interesting about this survey is uh, the the people that responded this year seem to be larger businesses. So over 80% of them have, or I'm sorry, over two-thirds of them have employees, 50 or more employees. Um, so that may be why the estate tax was uh, kind of higher up the list this year than in prior years. But those are the things that, that families face um, every day, the tax and the regulation and uh, and all the things that our government delivers to us. Absolutely, because it's there. You know, there's nothing more taxed than a uh, improperly designed business transaction where you're trying to let the business's cash flow finance a transaction between, say, family members and generations. Uh, it, it can get taxed uh, uh, two times uh, very heavily, and it's it's the ruin of family businesses. You, you know the statistics, but I think what I've read is that. Uh, only uh, something like one out of five businesses make it to the second generation, and one out of 33 make it to the third generation. Is that does that sound right? Yeah, and it's interesting. Again, in this survey this year, that really confirms those statistics because 31 of the of the participants actually were able to pass their business on to fourth generation. Um, so it, it has been that that statistic's been around for decades, and it's consistently true. Uh, the other interesting statistic about this survey is 57% of those respondents, though, actually have family members working in the business. So while family members um, continue to work in their businesses, they still struggle to get to that fourth generation. And and I will uh, point out, if people haven't seen it, that there's a, a great um, 
it's a it's a report, but it's really based on a very long um, years of work by Dennis Jaffe, and it's called Succeeding Against All Odds. How he interviewed uh, seventy businesses that were larger businesses, but had survived the, to the fourth generation, and it talks about how those businesses, what they've done in order to survive to the next generation. So um, it, it's really, really critical, and, and I'm, I'm happy to mention some of those things because one of the things I think is really important is family governance. It's one of the things that I really preach and work on with families. And so in, in yes. his, his piece uh, around succeeding against all odds, it's interesting that those businesses that survive to the fourth generation, they have a non-family CEO, they have an independent board, they have an exit policy. They have next-gen education. They have a family constitution, and they have a family council. And usually when, when families start to focus on the needs of those particular items, they are in third generation, second or third generation. So it's not the first generation that usually brings, brings family governance to most family businesses. Interesting. Well, it might be that the family tree just sprouts that much more by the third generation, which creates that much more complexity in those in those types of issues. That that many more uh, uh, sons and daughters of the boss who who might want to might want to come into the business, but might not be qualified for that. And that's where that outside CEO is interesting. And and again. Uh, uh, for you to attract an outside CEO, they better see some semblance of organization and not an emotional uh, problem that they're walking into or a governance problem, right? Right, exactly. Who wants that? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> exactly. so, so, so on top of uh, all of these uh, uh, people issues that family businesses would tend to have of figuring out, well, who's going to lead this and are they qualified or are they just – the next in line, uh, what's best for the business, then they have all these tax issues and and, uh, uh, and things that can basically make it uh, very, very difficult. It's hard enough to run a business in, without all of those issues. Do most families tend to see their business as their legacy? They do see it as their, as their legacy. And again, in this survey, 85% of those families see their business as a legacy, which is much higher than I would have guessed, actually. Um, and 60% of them have passed on partial or full ownership of the business. And again, the statistic is that many of them, about two-thirds of them, use gifting to do that. Now, with the increase in the lifetime exemption uh, for gift as well as estate, that's going to help them a great deal because gifting is a challenge when you're limited to you know a small amount every year now with the exemption of 11 million per person and 22 million per couple that's very large and so it's exciting because families ch- have that challenge all the time it's not just passing the business on in terms of management you have to talk about passing the business on in terms of ownership uh you know and s- stock ownership or wh- however the the company is structured uh, so that's we're excited to see that families do really believe their business is a legacy yeah, you're right. And when that um, when that uh, ig- lifetime gifting exemption got decoupled from the estate tax exemption, a lot of practitioners were saying, "Boy, th- you better act quickly on this before they figure out what they've done," because we're not convinced that they know what they've done. But it's been a huge boon to family business. Uh, 
uh, gifting to the next generation and, and implementing those kinds of strategies. So I implore you, if you're listening to this in your family business, you need to talk to your tax and legal advisors about that type of a strategy uh, because who knows what we'll see in the future. That That's the problem well, is what's permanent in, in Washington is only four years. Right, I was going to say that's a really important point. Is this is this uh, this is not permanent. So even though Chairman Brady is going to try to have Tax Bill 2.0 voted on next week uh, and to make those exemption amounts permanent, uh, I think most of us believe it's never going to see the light of day in the Senate. So um, it is really really important. One of the things that I really tell legislators, families, and family businesses need is they need certainty and permanency. And when you pass legislation that's only eight years or ten years, it's really, really hard for families. It's almost worse than no legislation at all because they don't have the certainty and the permanency. And we all saw that happen through the 2000 uh, tax, uh, Bush cut tax bill that was passed. It was just devastating for families for a whole decade to, to have a different tax law every single year. Yes, yeah, exactly. Great point. And that's kind of what we're facing into the future. I was just at a uh, workshop with a, a major economist, and they're talking about the, the, the pending 2019 recession, but they're also talking about the pending 2030 major recession uh, bordering on depression, because at that point, the government's really scrapping for cash because they're paying all the baby boomers who are on Social Security and Medicare, and they're paying huge amounts of interest on all the debt that's been incurred. So the government's going to be creating fiscal policy uh, that could look very different than what we're looking at now. Do you, do you look that far into the future for, for the type of planning and, and discussions you have with folks in Washington? Oh, absolutely. Um, because, as you know, I mean, families are generational. They really do want their businesses to stay and sustain generation after generation. We preach that all the time to legislators, but legislators are, you know, their horizon is their next term. So especially if they're in the House and it's a two-year term, it's very, very frustrating. Nobody does anything long-term. So we get, and of course they have to look at the cost, the revenue lost in any legislation that's passed. That, That argument tends to drive a lot of legislation. So it's very, very hard to get legislators to think long-term, and yet families have to think long-term, and they have to plan long-term. So permanency is a lot harder than people really understand to get, uh, and, and yet we, we advocate all the time in D.C. For, the, for that very thing and for that very reason. From a continuity standpoint, of course, we're looking at one of the greatest transfers of wealth. Uh, We've been hearing about it for some time now, but the baby boomers are now in their mid-50s to early 70s, and of course, uh, they're all getting older one year at a time, and there's a huge number of businesses wrapped up in that, family businesses wrapped up in that population base. Uh, what what do you hear or see as far as the the uh, uh, continuing trends for family businesses and their transfers? What I've heard, I'll tell you, just what I've heard is it's it's gotten more and more difficult to sell to an outsider. So a lot more people have considered continuing the business uh, through some kind of a transition because they can keep the income coming. They don't have to face the tax man as much, and they also, uh, uh, of course, uh, can remain working and relevant to their life's work. 
Yeah, I think what families, some families are looking at consolidation, right? Because then they have a better opportunity for sustaining the business onto the next generation um, for capital as well as to be able to plan for the estate tax generation after generation. Uh, and some families are selling out early. I mean, we have one family in Kansas City that owned 100 hardware stores, and they went through two, three generations, were facing third generation of estate tax, and the, and the company couldn't afford it. So they sold those businesses. They sold to a private equity firm. Nothing wrong with private equity firms, but what the private equity firm came in, and, of course, they reduced employees, they reduced salaries, they reduced benefits. The whole culture of the business changes. As you know, family business culture is very, very different than non-family business culture. I mean, we have another family, the White Castle family. Everybody knows White Castle hamburgers. They are in fourth generation. They don't know that they can survive this generation. Um, they really want to keep their business. They're facing their 100 years now, and it's just it becomes unsustainable. You can only do so much planning. So, it, and I think what legislators have lost sight of, and I continue to remind them, is you know 62% of the businesses in America are family-owned businesses, and this isn't just Pat Soldano saying this. This is Joe Astercam and Melissa Shanker, who recently in 2005 came out with their report that expanded the definition of family-owned businesses to the point that if the family strategically owns the business, plans the business, then that is a family business. So 62% of the businesses in America uh, and 82 million jobs are created by family businesses. And anytime those businesses have to be sold, big or small, you know, usually there's consolidation and usually that means jobs are lost and usually that changes the culture of the business and the location of those jobs as well. Pat, you uh, I, you have a great website, by the way, and I want to tell our, our listeners that it's patsoldano.com, P-A-T-S-O-L-D-A-N-O.com. Um, you've obviously been uh, recognized in some major, major periodicals, and and now you've been on Exacoach Radio. Hey, I think you're. I think you're. It's good. Life. Life is complete. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on. Can you leave our listeners with a couple tips, ideas, or precautions for as they plan their family futures? Uh, absolutely, and I also remind them that they can go to our website for Family Enterprise USA, and that is the website name, Family Enterprise USA. So we this this survey, you can see the full PowerPoint and all the responses on that um, on that website. And my tips would be to families, first of all, plan, make sure you plan. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. Family governance is critically important, along with corporate governance. Make sure that they work together. Um, and then the other tip I would give to families is make sure that if you believe in something, you advocate for it. Um, people think that there's there's no chance that you you can't really advocate that you have to you have to take the law as it is today. I don't believe that, um, and I am a strong advocate for advocacy. I advocate for the Alzheimer's Association. I uh, haven't done that recently, but did that years ago and teach advocates because it is maybe our our legal process is difficult and complicated, but it's going to change. And if you're not part of the process, you're not going to be part of the solution and you're not going to like what happens. So you can make a difference, and I really believe people should be advocates, and especially for family businesses. I wholeheartedly agree, and I, I'm really happy that we have you in the family business community has you 
to champion the cause and, and to go talk to our representatives in Washington and let them know exactly what we're facing and what, and what we need for the sustainability of this very important business uh, owner group and community. Um, th- Pat, I want to really thank you for coming on. It should, would, should our listeners uh, go to the, the Family Enterprise USA site? Is that the place to go? Is it, is, is it .com? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. FamilyEnterpriseUSA.com. Um, I, I went on your website, which I had the link to here, and it's also excellent with some great comments. Uh, so uh, should our listeners, if they have any comments or questions or ideas for you, uh, submit those through your website, or is there a better way to get in touch with you? Uh, they can do that, or they can just send it directly to me. It's a simple email. My email is pat at patsoldano.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, I look forward to checking in with you again and seeing uh, how, how you're doing and, and to update us on what some of the, uh, uh, the current issues of the day are in, sometime in the future, Pat. Okay, Bill. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, well, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being with us. And remember, you can go on exitcoachradio.com and find archives from – uh, many, many, many of our guests from uh, different advisors, authors, uh, consultants of all kinds uh, help to help you be well-planned into the future. So thanks again for joining us today. Hey, everybody. It's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's drivers to 44222. Text drivers to 44222. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 